So really, today is about hope, and that's the first candle uh, on our Advent wreath. Last year, we did an entire play surrounding Advent, and uh, we changed some things a little bit. Um, so we have hope, and then we have peace, and then we have joy, and then we have love, and then this is the Christ candle in the middle that will light on Christmas Eve. Um, last year, the second candle we made as faith, and there are some churches that uh, observe the, one of the Sundays. Uh, I know that Methodist churches, or at least the one that I looked into, observed faith. But faith underlies this whole thing. In fact, as we're going to see shortly, without faith, there is no hope, right? We have to have confidence in something or someone that makes a promise to us. And this I call the season of hope. And boy, if there was ever a time when we needed a season of hope, it's now. Isn't that right? If we're looking at the world around us, inevitably, there will be times when we will be hopeful and there will be times when we will be, you know, not so hopeful. You know, it was interesting. Um, before we all found out about the, uh, the pandemic, uh, I preached a brief series um, on living life well, going along with our church's name. And I talked about dealing with overwhelming emotions. And the overwhelming emotions that I spoke of were fear and sadness and anger. And it's interesting that when we look at this season of hope, we find that God supplies us with the antidote to fear, the antidote to sadness, the antidote to anger. And it's not found in this world. It is all based upon Jesus Christ, who came the first time, and we call that the incarnation, the enfleshment of God, right? Um, so if you saw the wonderful figurines that we have in the window out here, and uh, I have an idea that I'll put them up here one Sunday just for that Sunday, but uh, I would invite you not right now, but I would invite you as you leave today to, to look through our window, the one that's clear that doesn't say Life Will Church on it, and you will see these beautiful figurines in there. Uh, one of our members donated two of those, and uh, yeah, they're, they're wonderful, but uh, that gives us the, the understanding of what Christmas is about. You know, people make Christmas about all sorts of things, uh, Santa and snowmen and elves and gift-giving and all that sort of thing. But we wouldn't be celebrating Christmas without Christ. Christ Mass is the celebrate, celebration of the incarnation of the Son of God. And <clears throat> Jesus didn't just arrive on the scene one day and say, hey, I'm the Messiah, I'm the Son of God, worship me. In fact, the prophets foretold of the coming of Christ hundreds of years before uh, his advent, his first advent, his first coming. And interestingly enough, I wonder if you know who the last Old Testament prophet is. Anybody think they know? I bet you know what the last Old Testament book is of prophecy. What's the last Old Testament book? Boy, you're not biblically literate people. <laughs> or you're just shy and you're not saying anything very loud, right? Is it Malachi? Malachi, but he's not the last Old Testament prophet. You want to hear something interesting? The last Old Testament prophet is not found in the Old Testament. The last Old Testament prophet is found in the New Testament. His name is John the Baptist. 
John the Baptist is actually the last prophet under the old covenant. And he, like Isaiah in the, the scripture that Pastor Craig read and the scripture that was on the video, John the Baptist pointed to Jesus. He's called the forerunner. All of these prophets, concluding with John the Baptist, pointed to Jesus. Jesus fulfills many, many prophecies in the Old Testament. And it's not my purpose to go into all of those today. Really, I just wanted to inspire you with hope and to let you know that that hope comes when your faith is firmly in Jesus and not in what's going on in this world. Friends, you can't trust politicians, none of them. Right? So we got politicians, we got the pandemic, we've got the protests. You know, you just can keep your brain all scattered and can keep you worried and afraid and angry and all those overwhelming emotions. But we're entering into a season of hope and we don't have to cancel Christmas. Amen? You know, if you have uh, underlying conditions and so forth, you might want to adjust your Christmas celebration, be more careful and all that sort of thing. But, you know, it seems like we have just gotten used to, in 2020, just canceling everything. We're just going to cancel that, we're going to cancel that, cancel the other thing, and you don't have to cancel Christmas. In fact, I think this is a perfect opportunity for us to get back to what Christmas is actually all about. And it's about Jesus, right? So that's what your bulletin says. Jesus is the reason for the season. That might seem like uh, it's a little bit of a, a, a trite saying, but it's true. Jesus is the reason for this season, and it is indeed a season of hope. Now, if you have that bulletin, and uh, Jacob will be able to put my notes up here on the screen, you will see that number one in your outline is Christmas is the season of hope, because Jesus is God's promise of love and life. That's where we put our hope. So you may have someone that you were in love with and now things are not going quite so well and that can bring sadness and that can bring anger and so forth. Um, we derive our life from all sorts of idols oftentimes, and we spoke of that a few weeks back, but those idols are always going to let you down but God is never going to let you down. Jesus is a historical person who came to earth, was born in Bethlehem in a feeding trough, right? That's what a manger is. Grew up, lived a perfect life, and then went to the cross as our sacrifice of atonement, at one making us one with God. And then he was put in a new tomb, and on the third day he rose. And that's why we have hope, because Jesus overcame death. He is the, the, the Son of God, the author of life. As I said earlier, faith underlies all of these Sundays of Advent. Um, number two in your outline, faith is the substance of hope. So I memorized Hebrews 11.1, 1, which is where that phrase comes from, uh, in the, I think, the New International Version, the 1984 edition of the New International Version. And I think that's the translation I memorized it in, but I memorized it. Faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. But you want to hear something interesting? The older Bibles actually get closer to the Greek. Faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. You know what that means? That means faith is the stuff of hope. Without confidence in Christ and who he is and who he came to be for us, you're not going to have hope, right? Faith is the stuff of hope. It's the substance of hope. 
So where does hope begin? Hope begins with you putting your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ who came to earth and who, as Pastor Craig uh, pointed out, is coming again. Um, so faith is the underlying structure. That's what that word means. Uh, uh, the, the word is hypostasis. Um, and um, what it means is that it is the underlying structure of a thing, right? Faith is the stuff. Faith is the, the, the substance of, of uh, this reality, this hope that we have put our, uh, put our faith in, these promises we've put our faith in. So therefore, hope does not equal a wish. And Pastor Craig said that very clearly, and I think that that's good. Oftentimes, we substitute the word hope when we really mean wish, okay? Well... There's three vaccines that are available now and going to undergo emergency FDA approval. So I sure hope that works. That sounds like I'm saying I wish, right? Gosh, I really, I really wish these vaccines would come out and get our, our world back to normal again. Well, that may happen, and I, I think that God uses medicine, and uh, he's given us the ability to develop these things. He's given us the ability to have these great minds that understand these things. And, and so you've got three different companies that are uh, putting forth uh, the request for emergency approval from the FDA. It's actually beyond me why the FDA is waiting until December the 10th to meet on this, though. Like, oh, yeah, well, there's a pandemic that's killing a lot of people in the world, and we want you to be scared, but we're not going to be able to meet until December the 10th to look this over. I'm thinking, you got three vaccines that can do this, and you're going to save lives. You're going to talk about locking us up? How about you meet today, and you give approval for that today, and you roll those things out, get them out there to the health workers, and get them out there to the elderly, and get them out there to the immunocompromised. But see, in the end... I haven't been putting my hope in those things. I've, I'm continuing to put my hope in the Lord, right? Now, I'm going to tell you very clearly, things are going to change radically over the next four years. They really are. Um, the political party that has gained power now has a completely different vision of America. For someone like me that believes in biblical values, for someone like me that wants to freely worship and speak freely, that could be a terrifying prospect. But I'm not afraid because I know in whom I am, I have uh, entrusted myself, and I'm persuaded that he is able to keep that which I have committed against, to him against that day. What is that day? That's the day of judgment. Um, Number three, hope results when you believe in promises that are made. See, that's when you hope in something, it's because someone has implied or directly made a promise to you, right? So this is why children can get so excited and hopeful regarding Christmas morning, because in some homes, not all homes, people celebrate differently, people have different means available to them, but in some homes, uh, children will get enthusiastic because they think they're going to get certain gifts on Christmas Day. So they might get incredibly hopeful. And you may continue to perpetuate certain stories about uh, uh, Santa and how that all works out, okay? Um, and children can get very hopeful because you are making a promise to them. Parents, the worst thing that you can do is make a promise actual or implied to your kids and not keep it. It's better to not promise at all and just surprise them 
than to make a promise and forget about it or make a promise and not keep it. But I got news for you. All of us are imperfect, aren't we? We've probably, all of us in this room have had times when someone has made a promise to us, another human being. It might have been someone close to us, might have been somebody trustworthy like a parent. Um, not all of us, not all of our parents are trustworthy, but uh, nonetheless, could have been somebody trustworthy like that. And then they broke their promise uh, or the, just their overall lifestyle revealed something about them that uh, betrayed that they weren't what they claimed to be. And that can be crushing. It can be soul crushing. But see, if you continue to put your faith in Jesus, you'll continue to have hope even when other people let you down and people are going to let you down. Amen. That's why I'm always grateful when people when people come up and compliment me, right? You know, Pastor, thank you so much for that message or, you know, whatever it is. I'm always grateful. I've had people prop me up. I'd have people I've had people tear me down, but oftentimes, as often as not, I have had the very people who prop me up at one point in time tear me down. Just remember this. I'm not talking about me. I'm trying to help you transfer across because you've probably encountered this. But I want you to remember this. The same people who cried out, Hosanna, Hosanna, on uh, Palm Sunday. Many of them were screaming, crucify, crucify, on Good Friday. Wow. But that's just the way people are. People are oftentimes untrustworthy when we put our firm trust in another person Sooner or later, they're going to let us down. I'm not perfect. I try to do everything I'm supposed to do and do things right, but I have a temper and, uh, you know, I can be impatient and I can be so caught up in something that I'm not paying attention and giving you the attention that you're due and you can become disappointed in me. But I want you to look at the Savior that I'm pointing to. Amen? And that's going to continue to give you a source of hope because it is the promises that he has made that give us hope. Hope results when you believe in promises made. This is number three. So fleshly desire is a false source of hope. We've got to escape that delusion to be delivered into real hope. Listen to this promise from 2 Peter. I taught through 2 Peter uh, over the last several months. We just jumped into Jude. And by the way, we'll be back in here for Bible study again on Wednesday. We'll be going through Jude. I introduced it Wednesday before last. But prior to this, we were going through 2 Peter. And 2 Peter opens with uh, a, a teaching about promises. It says in 2 Peter 1.4, and because of his glory and excellence, he has given us his great and precious promises. These are the promises that enable you to share his divine nature and escape the world's corruption caused by human desire. Corruption just means rot, right? The world is not always rotten, but it is rotting. <laughs> so, you know, no matter how beautiful things are, eventually they wear out, don't they? So... For many years, when our brother Vernon was still with us, um, he would buy poinsettias, and we would set them across the stage here. These were live poinsettias, and boy, were they a lot of work. <laughs> I had to water them. Poinsettias, I don't know if you know anything about them, but the leaves are red because poinsettias are actually tropical flowers. They're, you know, we associate them with snow and all of that, but they're, they're tropical flowers, and they grow deep in rainforests where there's not a lot of light that gets through, so that's why you get the red leaves. The reason why the leaves start turning yellow as you get closer to Christmas when these uh, poinsettias have been sitting in stores is because they've been constantly exposed to light. 
So they start going back toward that yellow and green uh, that, uh, that results when a plant is, is creating chlorophyll from light. Well, nonetheless, that's why they're red. Well, you know, ours were okay because they're in here getting limited light and whatever. I just had to keep watering them. And in spite of that, they would start wilting and I would start pulling leaves off of them. Well, these are fake. <laughs> so by the way, we used to give them away at Christmas. Please don't take these. All right. These stay here. I put them in a box. And guess what? Next year, they'll look just like this. It's awesome. But really, these will even wear out, okay? You know, uh, living things wear out. I'm testament of that fact. Living things do, in fact, wear out. I go to the gym still five, six days a week, and my body is just telling me, will you leave me alone, right? But everything in the world is ultimately subject to corruption, Right? It's the second law of thermodynamics. You say, what? The entropy law. You know that law, don't you? All energy proceeds toward death. All matter proceeds toward chaos. That's an ironclad law of physics. You can't escape it, period. The only way that you get around that is to get out of a closed system, all right? So what that means is there's, you've got to be receiving energy from outside. You need to be receiving intelligent organizing power from the outside to not fly apart and fall apart. Well, you see, that's what the resurrection life of Jesus is, okay? Now, technically, your body is an open system, and you keep feeding it, and your cells multiply, uh, old cells die off, and so forth. But strangely, when you're long about your mid-20s, the cells start dying faster than they reduplicate, and eventually, if we're all blessed, uh, like our brother Vernon was, who I mentioned earlier, you might live until you're 96, but you're not going to live in this body down here forever, because even it, although an open system, is still subject to corruption. And so this body is going to die. But see, I have a spirit and you have a spirit. That's what makes you unique from the animals, by the way. You have a spirit. You have been given that from God. And when that spirit is uh, internally revived, and when you continuously receive the resurrection power of Jesus, then as the Apostle Paul says, though the body decays, the spirit is regenerated. The spirit is more and more alive day by day. So although this body is undergoing decay. My spirit is more and more alive day by day. And so we're receiving this resurrection power, this energy from the outside from the Lord. That gives me hope. Does it give you hope? But see, you've got to put your hope in something beyond this world. Because when you latch on to desire anything in this world, sooner or later, it's going to let you down but God will never let you down. Now, it is true that sometimes God has us wait. Wait longer than we want to wait, okay? In fact, if you jump down to number five in your outline, there's just a proverb that I have quoted there. Hope deferred, that means put off, makes the heart sick, but a longing fulfilled is a tree of life. So, you know, God is a timeless being, and we're down here trapped in time, and we're also in a culture that is all about instant gratification. You know, it used to be you had to save your money in order to buy something. Now we just get a credit card and put it on the credit card and put ourselves in debt and get ourselves in trouble, right? But it's the instant gratification culture. 
we have microwaves. I, I, I do remember a time when there were no microwaves, when you actually had to put something in the oven and wait 15 or 20 or 30 or 60 minutes before it was ready. Now you pop it in the microwave, three minutes later, it's out, and you're like, oh, okay, I'm eating it. We're in an instant gratification culture. So waiting is very difficult for us. But do you want to hear something interesting? One of the synonyms for hope or the word used for hope in the Old Testament is wait. Wait upon the Lord. I'm waiting for something to be accomplished that I cannot do by myself, that I cannot do alone. I'm not a patient person. Are you a patient person? I'm just telling on myself. I am not a patient person. I don't like to wait. Um, I was uh, telling somebody the other day that I was given a ride somewhere. Uh, Pastor Craig knows that I often take the most circuitous route to get anywhere. But many times it's because the traffic is making me wait here, so I'm just going to take another route. It might be a longer route, but I want to be moving. I don't want to be sitting there waiting for these people to figure out whatever they're figuring out. And these days, they're all on their phones. The light changes, and they're on their phone. I don't know what they're playing. Pokemon? What? I don't know. But they're at the light. And I'm like, uh, you know, I, I want to do a courtesy tap because there's a, there's a movie out right now. I forgot the name of it. It's got Russell Crowe in it where he's like this evil guy, right? And uh, But it's got a, a famous uh, preview in it where he... he gets the kid to roll down his window, and uh, the man is angry with this kid's mom, and he said, uh, do you know what a courtesy tap is, young man? This is a courtesy tap. Boop, boop. That's a courtesy. See, but his mom had just laid on the horn. Hey, guys, don't do that. See, this movie, I don't advise you to watch it. I had to walk out of the theater. It was getting ridiculously violent from the very beginning. Um, but there are a lot of people out there that get road rage, and they're not thinking straight. And in Texas, they might have a gun in their truck, right? They might step out and start banging on your window, whatever. Your best bet is just let them go. So for me, I'm just going to take another route. You want to sit there at the light all day? Go ahead and sit there at the light all day. I might give you a courtesy tap. Boop, boop. It's friendly. Boop, boop. It's not, not unfriendly. It's friendly. But I'm an impatient person. However, patience is a fruit of the Spirit, okay? Steadfastness, it's a fruit of the Spirit. Um, that's another hoopo word in Greek. Hopefully I said it correctly earlier. Uh, the word for substance, faith is the substance of things hoped for, is hypostasis. The word for patience or long-suffering is hupomone, right? And it means to stand up under the weight, to stand up under the pressure. God is seeking to work patience into us because he's trying to help us to understand this timeless perspective. He's trying to get us out of our self-centeredness where we want everybody and everything to revolve around us and serve us and give us what we want right now, okay? Um, so back up to number four, promises are only as reliable as the one making them. Well, God is absolutely reliable. He is absolutely trustworthy. That's why we can know when he makes a promise in his word, he doesn't ever speak just to speak. God's word is living and active and sharper than any two-edged sword. God's word is action. Amen? You want to hear something interesting? The Hebrew language is actually a verb-centered language. Verbs are at the center of the Hebrew language. Isn't it interesting that that 
the Hebrews, the Jewish people, God's chosen people, and the language that they had was a language of action. God, I hope you're listening. God never speaks just to give you advice. Well, son, I kind of wish you would do this a little different. I've got the 10 suggestions in the Old Testament. Just suggest that you not have any other gods before me. I would suggest, I mean, I would just strongly suggest that you would not have any idols. And I would just kind of plead with you that you don't misuse my name. I don't like it very much. But, you know, it's up to you. No, they're the Ten Commandments, aren't they? This is, this is law. This is the way God laid out the moral universe. So we're living in this free society. And several weeks ago, I told you I believe that that's, that's based in Scripture. You do have a choice to disobey, but you need to understand that disobedience results in adverse consequences for you, right? Because you're designed a certain way, and that moral law will tell you how you are designed. Um, so these promises that God has made are absolutely trustworthy because he is a trustworthy God, right? All right, so jump down to number six. Despair results from bad or broken promises. Right? Despair, hopelessness. A lot of people are feeling that today because they put their hope in the world. You know? I mean, if you're a Cowboys fan right now, you're probably not feeling too good. Got our hopes up. Got a new coach. Figured it was the old coach that was the problem. <clears throat> I would tell you what I think the problem is, but it would just be mean, not to you, but to the person that owns the Cowboys. Anyway. Despair results from bad or broken promises, and it quickly turns into depression. Depression is just being low, being down, being sad, and it's a very broad term that's applied to a lot of uh, different, uh, really, sources of that sense of feeling down. But long-term despair results in depression, in an inability to get up. And, you know, one of the things that people may suffer with uh, when they're dealing with depression, is just getting out of bed. Isn't that interesting? We can't get up emotionally, so we can't physically get up because what happens to you happens to all of you. We have a tendency to kind of divide our life up and divide ourselves up, but the reality is you're a, you're a unity, right? So the scripture says in, uh, when it talks about the, the creation of human beings, that God formed man from the dust of the earth. That's your body. Say, I have a body and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. It does not say that God did that with any other being, with any other of part of his creation. He breathed into the human man's nostrils the breath of life. That's the spirit. Same word for breath in Hebrew is the word for spirit. So you have a spirit. Say, I have a spirit. And man became a living being or a living soul. It is that inextricable unity of spirit and body that results in you. You are a unity. So what happens to one part of you happens to the rest of you, right? So is it any wonder that there is a downward spiral when it concerns depression? Many people are like, well, no, this is just physical. That's all it is. And so there are, there are a number of chemicals that have been prescribed and by doctors over the years, and then that one doesn't work, and it has adverse uh, side effects, so they start 
prescribing another psychoactive chemical and whatever. You're just dealing with the surface, right? We're dealing with the symptoms. We're not dealing with the root or the base of the problem. When you have hope, it will pull you out of despair and depression. Amen? And there may be some physiological issues there, no question, because you're a unity. But that's going to help pull you out of that entirely, right? So you can have these adverse situations in your life that can actually cause health problems. Excessive amounts of stress that you're unable to manage can cause heart problems, can cause all sorts of problems, high blood pressure, right? Because something that you're dealing with that's not physical has a physical result. But you know, when I have confidence, when I trust in the Lord, it helps me to calm down. Now, I can deal with the, the surface, uh, uh, you know, of what's going on at the moment. Um, in fact, I, I like what, uh, what Pastor Craig said to our kids uh, at karate right about the time school was starting. Actually, it was shortly before school started. Um, he talked to the kids about their breathing and how when they were upset, they needed to control their breathing. And you, you mentioned someone at your school that was just very hyperventilating and just very, very upset. And Pastor Craig, uh, Assistant Principal Craig at that school, came up to them and told them, listen, you need to control your breathing. Breathe in slowly, breathe out. And, so, and that's, a, that's a good strategy. It really is. But that deals with the situation at the moment. It doesn't deal with the underlying cause. Right? What we need to do is we need to have these cognitive strategies. What is that? That's just a, a fancy psychological word that means your thinking has to change. Largely, the cause of our problems is what I heard a preacher say one time, stinking thinking. When your thoughts are lousy, when your, your thoughts are negative, 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 complaining, 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 angry, angry, angry all the time, it has negative physiological uh, consequences. And right now, the media is sensationalizing everything. They are majoring on those three emotions that I told you we needed to learn to manage. They are creating or inciting anger. They are creating or inciting, if you, if you will, causing even, if you will, sadness in people. And, you know, there is this constant worry. And so where do we turn? Well, I guess we turn to the government and government programs. Friend, that's not going to be the solution either. Right? And then, of course, the constant sensationalizing of the pandemic and, you know, potentially uh, just depending on the part of the country you're in or the part of the city you're in, when these protests were going on and businesses were burning, it's fear. This keeps you tuned in. Listen, you need to tune in to the Word of God. And you need to turn off the media. I told you guys, um, primary reason that I'm still on Facebook is because a lot of you are on Facebook. And so I want to hear from you. But I have unfriended a bunch of unfriendly people. Because, see, I have this, I have this idea. A friend should be someone who is encouraging, trustworthy, not someone who is hostile, angry, hateful, complaining, and constantly jumping on every post that you make. Listen, I ain't got time for that. Now, you can get off Facebook altogether, and I applaud you if that's what you want to do. But what I've just chosen to do is just do some very, very careful pruning. And so now, it's all y'all nice people that are there. 
I have some former youth that have just turned into, I don't know what they are, and I don't know who they think they're talking to, right? I was, I was there for them. I loved them. I showed them the way. I was positive with them. And they feel the necessity to jump up and down on any post that they don't agree with politically. I have one person that continued to uh, private message me and tell me that, that they didn't like this and they didn't like that. And I said, how's your family doing? You know, I haven't talked to you in 15 years. I know nothing about this person's family. They've never made an, uh, an effort to have a friendly conversation with. That's not a friend. Just because you knew somebody 10 or 20 years ago doesn't mean they're your friend. So what I'm trying to tell you to do is you can be friendly to people. You can love people. Jesus said to love your enemies, but you don't have to trust them. And you don't have to listen to them. So I'm here for you, but I can't be here for everybody. And so I've weeded through that. I took that thing off my phone. My life is so much less stressful now. You know, I was debating with people there for a while, back 2015 and 16, because I thought it was going to be, you know, helpful for, for you all. And I was constantly having to check and check and check to see what they said and what they said and what they said, if they said anything, you know, bad or negative or whatever, because I don't need that getting out. I'm not one of these super popular people on Facebook, but it's still a lot of people, and I don't want those people to have uh, negative impressions of me and so forth. Um, you know what? I just discovered if I unfriend them, then they can't do that anymore. Now, that doesn't mean I wouldn't be friendly to them. That doesn't mean that I wouldn't help them if they needed help. That's what a friend does. But social media doesn't promote those kinds of friendships. Social media and mainstream media are causes for a lot of stress, a lot of anger. Amen? Perhaps some sadness. Right? And so those overwhelming emotions, anger, fear, sadness, are being promoted in the media. And so I'm telling you, man, if you want hope, you need to tune into God's word and God's promises. Right? I just don't. And, and the other thing is, what do, you, what do you entertain yourself with? I mean, nine times out of ten, I am listening to the type of music that you hear up here on this stage. Occasionally. On, on occasion, I've got a playlist that says 80s. I've got a playlist that says 70s. Yes, I'm old, all right? And I'll go back and listen to some of those old songs, but I even have gone through those and very carefully curated them because I don't want a bunch of hateful, negative, nasty stuff. And you know, some of us, because we're entertained by the music, because for whatever inexplicable reason, you like that artist, although that artist is profane and obscene, and doesn't love Jesus, but, you know, apparently they're kind of like a model for some of us, and we want to listen to them. I don't know why. No, I'm not. I, I am a lot better off because I focus on what will give me hope. I focus on a trustworthy God, and I focus on his promises, and that's what I'm just really trying to encourage you to do. This isn't about me trying to tell you what to listen to and how to live your life. It is me offering you an opportunity to live life well, to have a healthier life, to have a more hopeful life. Put your focus and your attention on the Lord. That's what I do. The first thing I do in the morning is I get up and I get my mind in the Word. And I've told you guys this before, but you are welcome to join my, uh, my online or, or my text group. I've got a group that I send a, a Bible passage out to every day. I send a chapter out to every day. If you text the word, T-H-E-W-R-D, the word, like one word, T-H-E-W-R-D, to 94000, it'll automatically put you on that list and you'll get that every... So if you don't know what to read, 
And I was admonished several weeks ago by someone who does read it every day that, Pastor, you didn't send that out a couple of days last week. Oops. But I'm doing better now, aren't I? I'm doing better. <laughs> All right. Honestly, sometimes I get caught up in my own Bible reading in the morning, and I'm like, okay, dude, that's awesome. And I just go away from the computer. and like, oh, I got to send that out. I say, it's gotten to where now, the first thing in the morning, I wake up, and I'm like, oh, Lord, what do you want me to send out to him today? Right? Because I got to make sure I get that word out, because you need to be in the word every day. And so it's not a lot of people, but there are people that are, that are there, and they're listening. They're paying attention to the word, and all I do is I just send a link to the Bible app, right? The YouVersion Bible app, if you have it on your phone, or Bible.com. And man, you can just click the link. And if you're not a big reader, guess what? You can listen to it. You just click and you listen to it and it'll read it to you. In other words, what I'm saying is you just don't have an excuse. You just make a choice, make a decision to set your day right, to get your mind focused on what is hopeful and helpful, and we'll make it through this pandemic, amen? Um, Despair results then from bad or broken promises. Listen to, listen to this, uh, this uh, admonition from Psalm 106. It talks about God giving people over to their corrupt desires. Listen to what it says. This is Psalm 106, 14 and 15. In the desert, they gave in to their craving. In the wasteland, they put God to the test. So he gave them what they asked for, but sent a wasting disease upon them. Hmm, that's interesting, isn't it? Sometimes what you think you want is what's making you sick. Notice this craving happened while they were in the wilderness. This is when they were crossing over to the land of promise. God had offered them an opportunity to have a, a land flowing with milk and honey. These people were so caught up in their own desires and their own this-worldly concerns that they ended up giving up the promised land and their children went in and took the promised land. But friend, it is possible for God to give you what you want so he can prove to you that that's not what you really want. It's better to just listen to the Lord. He's got a better plan. You start going after something because now the culture approves it, and you're like, well, good, I'm going to go after that. And what you'll find is you start allowing this corruption to come into your mind and into your life and into your body, and it starts rotting you away. Listen, you can believe a whole lot of things. And these days, there's some crazy ideas out there. But the Word of God is absolutely trustworthy because it comes from an absolutely trustworthy God. Amen? You don't want what you want. You want what God promises. Amen? Finally, what do you need to encourage hope? Three things very quickly. Number one, don't trust your feelings. Trust God's Word. Jeremiah 17, 9 says, uh, the heart of man is deeply corrupt. Who can know it? An unregenerate heart, an unredeemed heart, an unsaved heart that just goes after whatever I feel like going after is going to lead you astray. You can't trust your feelings, but you can trust God and put your faith in him and let your feelings follow. Next, that is number next, trust the God of the promises. And uh, I have uh, Romans 15, 13 here. Um, this is a, this is a, a very, very good uh, scripture that I would encourage you to take a look at there. All right? And finally, seek his promises for your life. Seek God's promises for your life. And I have Luke 11, 9 through 13 there. Um, 
which basically says, ask and you will receive, seek and you will find, knock and the door will be opened. So when I'm saying, seek the God of the promises, I'm saying, seek him personally. When you open the word, don't just look for a history lesson. Look for God to speak to you personally, to speak to you privately, to give you direction, right? And uh, I thought that I had uh, Romans 15, 13 here. I should have memorized that by now, but I don't have it there. Actually, Jacob, I think I did put that up there. For some reason, I don't have it in my notes here, but I wanted to conclude with uh, Romans 15, 13. But this is what I will leave you with. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him. Look at that. As you trust in him, he will fill you with hope, joy, and peace. Look, look. Hope, peace, joy. The God of all hope will fill you with that as you put your trust in him so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. That's my prayer for you, that we enter the season of hope and that you overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit.